guys, welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. I'm your host, Crystal, and today I have a special guest. It's actually my husband. Hi. Okay, you didn't have to say it weird, but that's Tyler. <laughs> um, so we decided, Bethany and I, that um, these episodes are a little weird when they're quiet and it's just one person. So. I'm going to have a guest host. It may be Tyler some weeks. It may be someone else. It it's may just be me. It's always going to be me. I mean, if you want to say that, but um, we don't know yet. Um, we are recording <laughs> in our office, and it can be pretty loud in here. We've tried to set it up as much as possible to block out the very busy street, our animals, and everything else. But if you hear anything in the background, that's what it is. First off, I want to say thank you and that we appreciate all the follows and likes and subscriptions on all of our social media. Every little bit of it helps. As a quick reminder, we do have t-shirts available for purchase. You can just message either one of us or message us on, you know, one of our social media pages and we'll get you set up. Be sure to get yours. They're really cool. We like them. My husband doesn't even have one yet but I have one. Because she makes me pay for it. Yep, that's right. got to pay for every single one. It's not free in this house. We do, or we are supposed to have our Twitch stream coming up at the end of this month for Bethany's birthday. We had planned on kind of doing a live ghost hunting thing. Um, now that we know that Bethany might not be in town for it, we've kind of postponed it. She seems to want me to do it with Tyler. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know how I feel that about that. That could be the one I do. What do you mean the one you do? The topic I do could be on the Twitch stream. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. You're not going to want to miss that one because it's a great one. <laughs> Either way, go give us a follow on Twitch. We're trying to get to 50 followers and make affiliate. We've already reached our first goal of having enough. Um, what are they called? The viewer, average viewers. We've already made that goal. We're going to have like at seven average viewers. So we just need the 50 follows. Once we do get to the 50 follows, we are going to be giving away a new, well, a shirt like we did in the past and kind of going forward every 50 followers, probably to the next 200 followers. We're going to give a free shirt away. Can I enter? That contest because yes. some need a shirt. Yes, you are allowed. Sorry, he's putting his phone in places it shouldn't. So if you heard <laughs> all the little buzzing, <laughs> sounded so wrong. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. sorry. I guess this is the time when we say don't edit this out. I mean, we have to say it every episode. So, <laughs> Crystal, don't edit that out. I guess. Oh, anyway, this is gonna be. A hot mess of an episode. I already feel it. But anyway, Tyler, uh, this week well, I'm going to tell you about the kind of conspiracy theory and the story behind Malaysian flight Air, or Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. What do you know about this? It was a plane that went down that was from Malaysia. And um, yeah, they just like vanished off the face of the earth. And okay. People have. Thought they've uncovered the airplane, but there's been no, like, actuality and, like, nothing, like, that I've seen that hasn't been, like, confirmed, so. Okay, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty accurate, pretty, pretty on the money. There's a couple other things, but 
if you're new around here, which probably if you're listening to this episode, you're not, but when Bethany and I record, one of us doesn't always know what the other one's going to talk about, and so we kind of do it in like a story form. And now my husband's trying to take a drink. He is literally the worst person to podcast with, you guys. He can't be still. I told him, just be still. Don't do anything. I'm thirsty. I'm parched. Okay? You're not supposed to. You're supposed to do all that before you record. So you expect me to be parched the entire episode. Because you prepare beforehand. That is inhumane. Okay, well, this week's conspiracy theory... Is a plane crash, obviously, and I think that makes it the best conspiracy theory because when I think of plane crashes, I think of, like, Amelia Earhart and the TV show Lost. Amelia Earhart never died in a plane crash. She just, you know... She disappeared off the face of the planet in a plane crash because no one knows what happened to her. And what happens when a plane runs out of fuel? It crashes, or it crashed somewhere, unless aliens took her. But anyway, aliens. hopefully you have seen Lost. If not, I hope you know the premise of it, which is an airplane crashes, and the survivors live on this island, and they spend all however many seasons trying to figure out why they're on this island, what brought them to this island, what monster is on the island, all this kind of fun stuff. Honestly, I loved the show. But my favorite part of the show was the fact that Charlie on the show, he was the same guy. I can't think of his name right now, but he was the same guy that was in Lord of the Rings. And I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings when Lost came out. And there was, like, so many Lord of the Rings, like, inside jokes in Lost. And it made the entire show even better. Never seen it. What? Lost or Lord of the Rings? Lost. Oh, okay. Every single Lord of the Rings. Well, then we're going to watch Lost because it's amazing. Ah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I know, whatever. <sighs> but basically, think about how every TV show you've ever watched, every, yeah, I mean, just about every TV show that's like an action show or a crime show or like a medical show, there's always a plane crash. Always. Like, I can't even think of one that doesn't have one. ER. I don't even watch Grey's Anatomy. I know they had a plane crash. That 911 show, Lost. Like, literally, most shows have a plane crash. I'm trying crash. to think of one. I... That doesn't have one? or doesn't? That, that doesn't. Yeah, okay, exactly. Because they always show a plane crash. But this is not like TV and movies. This is a real live, real life plane crash that happens. And as I was researching this, I found out that plane crashes are pretty common. Not like car crash common, but they're pretty common. But it's still rare enough that every year it's in like the low hundreds, the amount of people that die every year in a plane crash. So in this particular instance, on May 8th, 2014, Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 stopped responding to hails and eventually just completely fell off the radar. Despite the way that the media portrays commercial airplane crashes, like I said, they are super rare. In 2020, 299 people were killed as a result of a commercial plane crash. So it's not including like the kid who was killed here in a plane crash um, because it was just a small airplane. These are big airplane crashes. 
274 of those people, of the 299, were killed aboard just two major crashes that happened in January and May. Hmm. In fact, even with the decreased travel from COVID, 2020 had more deaths than the prior year, only because of those two major crashes. Had those have happened, we wouldn't have had very many. Now, that's interesting, because, like, I flew... One time, I forget where it was, and, like, I was actually fine with you. We were actually flying back home, and there was, like, nobody on the plane. hmm And it's just weird to think of that 2020, you know, had more deaths than 2019 with less people traveling. So it just kind of, like crazy to yeah it is pretty crazy and i mean that's got that includes like this includes like small like when they hit the runway too hard and they consider that a crash or like something they have to make an emergency landing because an engine blew or something like that well i mean if you if you think about it the um one in colorado i think it was where the engine blew like as they were taking off and they had to Mm -hmm. land and like a neighborhood or something like that's a crash but yes and this and this these numbers and i'm not sure about the one for 2020 but these he is just hitting everything (laughs) these numbers do include if the plane hit someone that was on ground or like it includes numbers for like 2001 mm-hmm. with 9/11. It includes the number of people that were killed inside of the towers or inside of the Pentagon. Those are included. So 2001 is going to be like the a huge number. Year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because of the fact that they would not have died had the plane not have crashed. Um, in on March 8, 2014. 239 people, including the flight crew, boarded Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 at the Kuala Lumpur International Airport, and they were headed for Beijing. Aboard this flight, there were 150 Chinese citizens, 50 Malaysian, 7 Indonesian, 6 Australian, 5 Indian, 4 French, 3 Americans, 2 Canadians, 2 Iranians, Two New Zealanders, I guess that's how you would say that. New, New Zealanders. Zealanders. New Zealanders. Two Ukrainians, one Dutch, one Russian, and one Taiwanese citizen. Tyler, I'm not going to say that word. Just, say it. Come no, on, just say it one time. No. One time. Massachusetts. I said it right. Yeah, you did. Good job. Look, the I one mean, time you say it right yes. is on the podcast. Yes, because Dang I had it. to practice. I practice <laughs> saying it. Every time I say it, I like slow my words down and say it. Massachusetts. Yeah, okay, there you go. Say I said it. No, I'm not gonna say it fast. <laughs> we don't curse on this podcast. Um, twelve of the two hundred and thirty-nine passengers were flight crew who were all experienced pilots and flight attendants. Captain Zahari Ahmad Shah was had about 33 years of piloting experience with over 18,000 hours of flying logged. That's a lot of hours. Like yeah. he's he's flown a lot. His first officer was relatively new, Farik Abdul Hamad, who had just under 7 years of experience 
and nearly 3,000 hours of flight time logs. Still quite a bit. Yeah, I because, mean, I mean, there's what, 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Quick oh math here real here quick. I'm just, I'm just curious. So 24 times 7, that's 168 hours. Uh-huh. Okay, if you times that by, there's what, 52 weeks in the year? Uh-huh. So 8,736. So. I don't understand your math. I, I don't either. So I, I don't know where you were trying I, to go with that. I, I, I don't know either. Uh, okay. Well, he, he flew a lot. Yeah. They both did. But so these I men. I can do math. Yes. <laughs> these men were not newbies in any way, shape, or form. They were very experienced um, pilots. They knew how to fly a plane, and they had both done so several times and had no major issues besides, like, you know, occasional mechanical failures while human error is totally within the possibility uh, within the realm of possibility we have to remember that most plane crashes every year are not because of human error but they're actually because of mechanical failure or they're done on purpose as in like people hijacking it cyber attacking it um, people shooting it down stuff like that Flight 370 took off from Kuala, I cannot say this today, Jesus, every episode, Kuala Lumpur at 12.42 local time. At this time, they were in contact with air traffic control and cleared for their flight to Beijing. The last known contact with Flight 370 was at 1.06 a.m., and it was an automatic position report that was sent from the Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System, or as it's called, ACARS. At 1.19 a.m., Captain Zahari checked into air traffic control, and this would be the last time that anyone heard from the crew or the flight. As the flight headed into Vietnamese airspace without any contact with aircraft traffic control, they became worried. Because typically what happens is when you fly into a new country, into the airspace, you check in with that country's air traffic control, confirming that it is okay that you're there, letting them know where you're headed. Um, And it's just kind of like a common courtesy thing, but also you kind of need to do it so that they know that you're flying and another plane doesn't run into you. Another captain was able to reach out to the aircraft that was, they were flying relatively close nearby, and there's a method that you can radio contact them. And they were able to contact it, but they were only met with what the captain described as mumbling and static and that's all they could hear. At this point, it was completely understandable for air traffic control to be worried. As far as the radar was concerned, they were still flying, um, but this was about the, this was the last time that they were able to pick them up. The last radar tracking that they have for Flight 370 has them flying along their original trajectory but then turning right for a while for a few I'm assuming thousand miles I'm not sure I it blows my mind how fast we can go in an airplane over a short distance of time so it my brain doesn't work that well for that but they flew right for a while and then it kind of made a left-hand turn and at this point they were nowhere near where they were supposed to be um 
during the next few hours, officials on land started trying to reach out, started trying to figure out why they couldn't contact for them to lose contact like that. Um, and they were just trying to figure out what was wrong and not quite panic yet. When the flight did not land at its scheduled time in Beijing, that's when the Malaysian Airlines announced that they had lost communication with the plane and they were officially starting a search and rescue mission. On March 24th, the airline started informing the families of the passengers and crew that the plane was presumed lost and that there were no survivors. Over the next three years, a search of the last known area was conducted with several pieces of debris being found and eventually verified as pieces of Flight 370. And I will talk about these a little bit more in detail. Without anything to prove about what happened to the aircraft, rumors started building and several theories about what happened formed. So here's, you know, just off of all of that, I think, I don't know what was by them when they were flying or whatever, but to go right and then go left, it's kind of like you're going to avoid something. Um, they could have been, you know, flying into like a military base or something like that, which military bases, unless you're in the military. This is the middle of the ocean at this point. Never mind. Yeah. They were in the middle of the ocean. Never mind. Okay. It, good, good thought process though, but they're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. I, mean, I can show you a picture. Would you like to see a picture of where they were at? Yeah. This is basically what happened. They... Set off from Kuala Lumpur, they made a right, and then a left, and then this is so where it was they a, landed. They basically almost made a U-turn. Huh. So they kind of started getting into Vietnamese airspace, because they were supposed to go this way. Yeah, okay, so they never got into Vietnam. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And they kind of, they made that left-hand turn, they started to make a right, and then made mm-hmm. a left, and then this is the last known searching area. And as always, I'll post this picture on Instagram and Facebook so you kind of have an idea of what we're talking about when we're looking at this picture. That is super weird. Mm-hmm. It is. So some of the most popular theories revolve around the idea that the plane might have been hijacked or intentionally shot down. Um, the main kind of, what's the word? supporting argument for this is that four months after flight 370 went missing another malaysian airlines flight flight 17 was shot down over eastern ukraine during the investigation it was concluded that flight 17 was shot down using a surface-to-air missile and the general agreement is that the missile was launched from a pro-russian territory kind of on the outskirts that was in a war zone and Malaysia, Netherlands, and Australia, who had the majority of the casualties on that flight, Flight 17, all placed responsibility with the Russian government. And because of the short time between the two crashes, some theorize that Flight 370 may have been shot down as well. Now, who shot the plane 370 down is not something that everyone agrees on, though. For, for them to be shot down in the middle of the ocean, Malaysia ha- or 
Indonesia had to shoot it down? Why did Indonesia have to shoot a plane down in the Ukraine? Oh, you're talking about 370. Yes, I'm talking about 370. Not necessarily. A surface-to-air missile? With it, without it landing in a country in order to shoot it there because the only two that are close by, okay? But no one says it has to be a surface-to-air missile. It could have been anything that shot it down. Well, yeah, it could have been, but I'm just... Theorizing? Theorizing, exactly. As far as who could have shot down Flight 370, it's been suggested that everyone from the U.S. government to Iran has shot it down. So it's pretty much everybody, anybody's game at this point. These claims don't hold much truth as most of the information that would support it is kind of circumstantial. And these claims revolve around fear, in my opinion, and paranoia. Mostly fear that the U.S. government anticipated a similar attack to 9-11 and that the people on this um, flight were not who they say they were and all this kind of stuff and shot down a plane or that the plane was shot down as part of a training exercise and the search was a cover-up. Obviously, this type of stuff is kind of sketch, but I mean, it could be true. Now, I did tell you earlier on that there were two Iranians actually on the flight, and that was something that people didn't know at first because these two Iranians actually boarded the plane under fake passports, and they boarded under a different name, and it wasn't until afterwards that they discovered that these two Iranians were actually someone else. So I think that's where that fear of like, oh, the U.S. government thought this was a hijacking. But I feel like that's very racist to assume. But that's kind of how people are now. I mean, yeah, sucks to say it. But a lot of it, something could have been that they did, you know, they were leaving Malaysia, okay, and... Maybe they got into some trouble in Malaysia where they needed to use fake passports, you know? So, like, you never know, like, what anyone was. Or, you know, kind of like here in the U.S. with the U.S. Marshals and Witness Protection, give them freaking brand new identities. Mm -hmm. So, maybe they were doing something for the Malaysian government and, like, hey, we'll give you new identities and... Malaysian government, Chinese government, Iranian government all come together and be like, hey, these guys are going to go into China and, and all this. So you never know, like, why they had fake passports. It's not because they were trying to, you know, ruin a country, but... No. I mean, it. the general assumption was, or the general agreement was that they were stolen passports, but that the men were headed to Beijing to be asylum seekers. And so that is why they had, but they said that everyone pretty much said that there's no way that this was a terrorist attack. Like that it was just kind of like a coincidence, but I do think that's where this 
idea that the United States government anticipated attack and shot it down, I think that's where it kind of stems from. It's wrong that it stems from that, but I think that's where it comes from. Another possible explanation of the crash was that it was some kind of hijacking. Um, while a few theories out there suggest that it was conducted maybe by another government or some type of cyber attack on the plane, the most documented and, in my opinion, most disturbing claim is that it was actually conducted by the captain himself. Some versions of this theory of the series were put forward by different authors of books and journalists around the world that suggest that Captain Zahari used the flight as a way to commit suicide. His family denied these claims then, still denies them then, and over the years have just stated that it's not possible that he would have done that as a way to commit suicide, nor would he commit suicide. But everyone knows, you, you never know who's going to commit suicide yeah. and who won't. The... Evidence that kind of leads to the theory that Captain Zahir, that Captain Zahiri's role had a role in the crash comes from his apparent lack of plans scheduled for after March the 8th. Now, to me, lack of plans does not mean that you are going to commit suicide. If that's the case, all of us would kind of be in trouble if I just said, I don't have plans after March the 8th. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. What? Like, how you not? How do you not have plans? No, no, no. Like, be- I guess because if he doesn't have anything planned after March the eighth, he assumed that March the eighth would be the last day on Earth. But I think that's stupid. Yeah. Several media outlets have pointed to the fact that the captain and his wife were going through a rough patch and had recently separated. Again, this doesn't mean that someone is going to crash a plane full of people. It seems that most people recognize this theory is nothing but rumor, as it has no direct evidence that supports these claims. Even more so, an aviation expert named Peter Clark admitted that it would have been next to impossible to even prove this, even if there was some type of strong evidence, as the pilots themselves were not skilled enough to disable communications. He mentioned that there's so many levels of security, there's so many different... Um, ways that the communication is built into the actual plane that it even together they could not have disabled all of the communication including the radar. People have put forward other crazy theories ranging from black holes to aliens and while it is scientifically not possible that it was a black hole because if it was a black hole none of us would be here if you're an alien believer like me, then you have to know that that's very much a possibility. I personally have no idea what happened to Flight 370. If I listen to a part of my brain that has watched all of these TV shows about plane crashes, it tells me that it was connected to Flight 17 being shot down. Because, I mean, really think about it. What are the chances that two flights from the same airline are shot down just months between each other. Like, that's really, that's really suspicious. Like, I want to do, like, that TikTok where, like, that's suspicious. That's weird. Yeah, and, but, but here's the thing, though. Neither one of those flights was flying the same path. 
No, they weren't. But that, so, that doesn't so mean nothing. It, it kind of does, though. Because if, and we're going to take this from a historical slash war aspect, okay? Um, if you're a pro-Russian supporter in Ukraine, obviously with everything going on, Russia, Ukraine, and all that stuff, not to get into politics too much, but if you see something that you can't identify, but it's a plane, and you're like, what's happening? Because, you know, Russia has allies, Ukraine, they both have enemies, and all, all this kind of stuff. You're worried for your life, so you're going to shoot down the thing that you know, a plane, you don't know if it has bombs inside. You don't know if it's dropping people down there. So, you don't know. So, that, I can understand if, like, happened. But for the plane to almost U-turn into the Indian Ocean, now I'm thinking that it wasn't shot down, that, nor do I think it was hijacked. You know, because mm-hmm. if it was hijacked, one, the person had to know where the communications are to cut the communications or to get through the Malaysian TSA, a radio jammer. I don't see that getting through TSA. So, I mean, maybe Malaysian... Airport security is different than here in America, but who knows? Um, and if you know how Malaysian security is, let me know because I'm kind of interested now. Um, like, how it is. But if a radar jammer was able to get through, then, yeah, it could have been hijacked. But that's kind of a stretch, Mm-hmm. For a radar jammer to get through. Um, the only thing I could think of was somebody on that plane knew how to, you know, could have been a retired plane engineer or something like that and knew, hey, this is where the control panel is for the communications. We get the pilots to cut that and we can, you know, do a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's how many countries aboard? They're not all friends. Yeah. You know, so people saying yeah, it was a terrorist attack, I can believe that because all of that happening. But it's just hard for me to believe now that it was shot down over Indian Ocean after doing a U-turn where if you're going to shoot a plane down, why make it U-turn? You know, because mm-hmm. you're, you're a... Um, the passenger planes, whatever, you're not going to outrun a military jet. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care how good of a pilot you are. You're not going to. You're not equipped with the flares. You're not equipped with the defensive, like, not equipped with anything. Mm -hmm. So why U-turn? Maybe maybe to avoid, you know, like, wiping out half of a country. Because the path they were going was headed straight for... Vietnam, maybe it he... It was not Vietnam, it was Taiwan that it was... No, it wasn't. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, because Taiwan is right above Malaysia. Oh, yes, it was, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, 
New Year's Resolution. No, I am thinking about where they u when they u turned they were headed towards towards Taiwan, Taiwan and yeah. yeah, but maybe to avoid you know doing that, but then you're risking another country is just geographically where everything's at. So maybe I don't know. I mean, Nick, you make very good points, and I think that's probably why this whole crash is so. Not controversial, but so mysterious is because there's so many different things that could have happened, and there's too many pieces of each that you could snowball with and be like, okay, well, let me just roll with this, and then you can keep going down this rabbit hole of assuming this is what happened. But when you do that, you leave out all the other little pieces of yeah, stuff and that I, happened. I think if we had like definite evidence like hey this because they found found what like six different plane parts in like six different places i like, haven't even got to that yet but no no no. like i'm asking mm-hmm. like because that's what i remember like it was like scattered like all across yeah i mean they found more than six they well, yeah. found dozens but they've only found like one piece that has been like for sure verified as part of the plane and it is this piece of the wing called the flapper on and it's the piece that, you know, when the plane goes up and you're sitting behind the wing and you see that little piece that goes up and down? That's mm-hmm. called the flapper on. Um, and I kind of put in my notes, too. I said, maybe you fly first class and you've never seen that, but we're coach people, so we've I mean, always seen it. If you ride first class, you still got to see the plane as you're, like... But you never see that in motion. Yeah, true. Like, when you sit behind the wing and you stare out the window, you can see it going up and down, Sitting up and down. on the wing is the worst part. I love it. I love it so much. Um, but anyway, it was found on the beach of an island in the Western, India, Western Indian Ocean, and I think this is actually a French, French island. Um, officials were able to conclude that it was from Flight 370 with serial numbers that they found inside of the flap around. Like, they took, like, a little microscopic camera, and they were able to go in and read the serial numbers, and that's how they connected it. Other pieces of the plane were thought to have been found in South Africa, Tanzania, Madagascar, and Mozambique, but none of these pieces can be 100% confirmed that but officials believe that most that they most likely came from Flight 370. There's just not a way to confirm it. And it's like pieces that maybe like say stuff that were part of the planes, like like door hatch or whatever. I can't remember what they said. But there were just pieces that say stuff. Um, there's one that someone found like a briefcase. And it's just like random pieces like that. Okay, so the briefcase found in an ocean... Maybe somebody's on. It was at a beach. Huh? It was on a beach. Okay, maybe somebody was working on the beach. You know. Yeah, left I mean, their briefcase. There's a million and, different things. That but it could be. if you can show me that this was the only plane crash that happened in South Africa, Tanzania, Madagascar, and Mozambique, I'll believe you that it was that. But I highly doubt it that that was the only plane crash that crashed around Africa because. I mean, heck, that's from the Indian Ocean. It would have to go all the way down. The current would have to take it south. Well, yes, that and that's how that's why it's been found so far out of the original search pattern because it has drifted and because ocean currents have taken it different places. And once they worked in the ocean currents with where they believe the plane 
crashed, it is well within the realm of possibility to have these pieces have traveled that far to a beach. So it is well within the possibility that these pieces are from Flight 370 because, like I said in the beginning, these big commercial airplane crashes are rare. Mm -hmm. So if you find a piece of a plane, chances are it came from the plane that you're missing. Today, the families who are still missing, of the families of people who are still missing, they still request that searches continue in hopes that something will turn up. Originally, after the plane was lost, talk of compensation for the next of kin started. According to the Montreal Convention, which is basically this big convention that all of the airlines and all over the world kind of go by, it states that anyone who dies as a result of a plane crash is entitled to roughly the U.S. dollar amount of $175,000 from the airline's insurance company. So, that is guaranteed. Why are you getting your calculator out? Huh? Why are you getting your calculator I was about to tell you how many people, how much it was. Oh, okay. It's about $40 million for everybody on the plane. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. This does not include the amount that a person can sue for in civil court because they still have the ability to do that. Now, this amount, though, depends on the country that they file the civil suit in. So... Because it is an airplane, the next of kin has the ability to file a civil suit in the country that their person, that their family member lived in, the, per, the country that they bought the plane ticket in, the home of where the airlines is based, the country where the airlines is based, where the flight took off from, and where the flight landed. So they have the option of doing any of that based off of really and truly they could do it whatever money they're gonna wherever they can get the most money from now countries like malaysia and china which have which had a majority of the casualties they are known for paying out very little the u.s typically pays anywhere between one million and four million dollars for a civil uh, civil suit like this, and basically what they do is they take the earnings that the person made and multiply that over a lifetime, and that's how much they usually settle for. So, so in the U.S., you're going to get a lot more, whereas in China and Malaysia, it can be literally a fraction of that. So like if somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody made a million dollars in a whole year, mm-hmm. if them that. Not always. I mean, like the U.S. government's not going to give them that. Like that's how much they're going to like sue for in a civil suit. Now they're not going to be able to get if that was a million dollars times the thirty years that they have left to live. They're not going to sue. They may sue for thirty million dollars, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to settle for thirty million dollars. But what I'm saying is, in like in Malaysia and China, it's for that they're going to give. Probably a couple thousand, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars to that million. In fact, right after the disappearance, Malaysian Airlines did kind of offer a, what I'm calling a, I'm sorry, we lost your family member money, um, a payment, and it was basically nothing. Families in China reported that 
they were offered the equivalent of about five thousand dollars of as a sorry you lost your family member payment. I wanted to cover like funeral costs. Exactly, basically nothing, and this leads to them being quite angry, and they were very angry, and they're still angry. Because over the years, they have continued to go to anniversary events. And, like, this is not just Chinese and Malaysian families. This is families from all over the world that lost someone, all the countries that lost someone. They still go to these anniversary events expressing views about how they're disappointed and how the government and the airline handled the investigation. Mostly because some people feel like the the governments did not pursue the investigation they did not conduct the investigations correctly or that the airlines waited too long or that the airlines didn't search in the right spots right away and the fact that it took until an entire year for them to legally declare that the plane was indeed crashed and missing now I don't blame them because I would be fighting literally until the day I died or until the day that I found something like 100% new. Um, I, I don't think that they're wrong for any of anyone's wrong for pursuing a civil suit over this matter. It's kind of a freak accident. So you do have to accept that. But at the end of the day, the airlines are held responsible. I mean, it is, and I do think the family should have received compensation a little bit sooner because even though they don't have to bury anyone in their family because they're missing, there's think about all the if debt that's the that you have. Yeah, that's the breadwinner of the family. The think mm-hmm. about the debt that you have to settle up with medical debt or, or family the, debt. Like some countries, like the men, you know, not to get you know sexes or anything, but the men are the ones who work and. The women stay at home. Mm-hmm. So if one of the men who was the only person working, that family's like can go broke like that just mm-hmm. because they don't have any income. Now, of course, you know probably their families would help them out and everything like that. But it's still hard on exactly. any family when you lose a provider to make ends meet or and especially when it's unexpected so I can totally understand being angry about not being able to have something be and even because you have to think about it going a step further if it takes a full year for them to declare that they were missing even families that have life insurance policies they're not able to cash in in those yeah until they're being able to be declared dead and that's hard I mean Sometimes people rely on that money right away. So I definitely don't blame them. I do hope that there is some type of resolution for this mystery one day. Maybe something is found that gives us a better idea or clue as to what happened. It may not happen for several years, and I feel like it's just going to be one of those things that everyone wakes up to one day, and it's just like, guess what was found? overnight kind of things and I think this will be a I know it'll be a sad ending to this story but I think it will be something that is needed and it'll give some people some closure so yeah that's all I got that's a lot I found out a lot more than what I knew Mm -hmm. so it was just kind of like you know I didn't know that there were so many different people 
from all these countries. Like, I knew there had to be, like, one or two Americans on there because it was covered here in the U.S., Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that, like, what, like, 12, 13, 14, how many ever countries were there, Mm -hmm. and it was just, you know, interesting to see, like, you know, I didn't even know that there was a plane shot down. A couple months later. See, I didn't know that either until reading it but then or till researching about it but I do like as I was researching it I did kind of vaguely remember that happening because I remember I was still in college and I remember talking to a professor about why it was such a big deal that Ukraine shot this plane down um or not Ukraine but why it was shot down over the Ukraine I remember talking to him about it in the very early stages of it and having to like discuss and learn the complicated history between Russia and the Ukraine. So I remembered that, but that was pretty much the only recollection of it I had, but I never really connected the dots between them both being from the same airline. And that was, yeah, that kind of threw me for a loop. And I think that's why, honestly, I think that's why there's so much more mystery around this flight than it would, than it just being like, a normal flight that went mm-hmm. missing is because yeah. the same airline, like two months later, lost. And and so it's just. Do I think this plane was shot down? No, because where it was shot down, you would have to have the Malaysian government. Mm-hmm. You would have to have the Indonesian government, and you would have to have the. Taiwanese? See, that's what I, I struggle with that one. I believe it's Taiwanese. Government? All three of them saying there was no fighter jets in our airspace mm-hmm. at the time this plane went down. And to get three countries to say the same thing? I mean, it could be aliens. I told you. I mean, it could be aliens, too. Yeah, sure, it could be, but, you I know. I mean, all they had to do was fuel, and that's why they disappeared. They just took them. Maybe. But, I like that. I like that theory. Though. Yeah, but that's. I don't know. When in doubt, and no other explanation fits, and you don't really like any of the other explanations. Aliens. Aliens. Because why not? Yeah. I mean, the government said aliens are real. Like that is a thing. Well, yeah, but for you to sit here and say that aliens were involved in this specific plane crash it's not without, without I, realm of possibility. I know it's not, but without any evidence to back it up. I'm still going to think it was something that I'm, I still did. think it was either shot down or was aliens. Those are the two I'm sticking with. I think it was somebody like inside the plane knew how to, whether it was training from a government or something like that, mm-hmm. knew the inner workings of an airplane. Mm-hmm. Just like 9-11, took the plane by force. Cut the communication via radar jammer or whatever. And maybe they had a jammer in their cell phone. That's how it got through. I don't know if we had the technology. You would be surprised what, like... I mean, I know. There's some technology, but there's a fine line between TV technology and actual technology. No, I'm saying, like, a radar jammer disguised as a cell phone. Okay. Again, I'm still thinking that's TV technology. You would be surprised. Okay, I'm, but still, I think, 
I, th- I think my two suspicions are more correct than yours. Well, I think yours agree. are more science fiction than anything. We'll agree to disagree. Aliens aren't science fiction? No, because aliens are reality. Well, aliens are real. The well, government has literally like released pages and pages and pages of documents saying aliens are real. Here's the proof. We're giving. Do you not know about that? No, I do. Okay, so how does that make alien science fiction when they've literally said aliens are real? We will agree to disagree. Okay, aliens aren't science fiction anymore. They have moved into a new realm. They are no longer science fiction. They are science fact. So they are an possible explanation for what happened to this plane. Okay. End of story. Y'all heard that. That's the end of the podcast. You know, she said end of story. So her story's <laughs> over. So oh, my gosh. End of podcast. Make sure you uh, enjoy it and let them know that you liked having me on this episode. Because, you know, I, was, I got really excited when she uh, wanted me on here. And I want to be back on. You know, if I'm back on another time, I think I should get a free shirt. You know, because I'm been a repeating <sighs> guest. We'll talk about it. But you got to be quieter next time. You move too much. I don't think you realize how much every every movement you make is picked up. I mean... <sighs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the end of this podcast. If you enjoy Tyler, please hype him up and let him know. If you didn't enjoy him, leave a comment about wow. how much you enjoy him. He enjoys feedback. Wow. I wouldn't expect you to... To have them be negative towards me. Hey, they're negative towards us all the time. You should see the hate comment we get on YouTube. We only get hate comments on YouTube, but we love them. Bethany does not love them. I think they are freaking hilarious. Because when Knickknack Paddywhack went off and made us blow up on YouTube, my very sarcastic remarks were freaking hilarious, but someone else could have treated him like that, <laughs> and that we were very condescending. And all kinds of stuff. I think it's funny. I invited him on the podcast. So I still I hope he listens to every podcast. I've invited him. I literally said I would like him to be on the show because I would like to know what the curse word was that he called us that was like six letters and starts with a B. I still don't know what it is. And it's not the one you're thinking of because it's not, it doesn't make sense in the sentence. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Yeah, I, I still don't know. But anyway... This one's dedicated to Knickknack Paddywhack. Give the dog a bone. Um, hope you guys have a great <laughs> night, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See ya.